This video is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA season is in full swing, and you can get into the action at DraftKings. Check out DraftKings parlays and same game parlays, where you can combine multiple bets from the same game for a shot at an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings app now. You can use promo code BULLYBALL when you sign up. All one word, B-U-L-L-Y, ball. You can do it. I know you can do it. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Welcome to the Bully Ball Podcast presented by DraftKings. I'm Rachel Nichols. That's DeMarcus Cousins. At least I think that's Boogie Cousins because, Boog, my monitor is going in and out here. So I can hear you. I can't always see you. So if you, like, do this during the podcast, I won't know. Uh, just know I'm here, Rachel. I got your back. Okay. <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> I can see you some of the time. It's, it's, it's good. It's good. I want to start with Draymond Green because, uh, you know, you dropped your own news on this podcast a couple weeks ago. Draymond dropped his own news on his podcast just this morning, which was pretty awesome. Um, you know, he's back from suspension. The NBA reinstated him over the weekend. And he came out this morning on his pod and he talked about a really crazy conversation he had with Adam Silver right after the decision to suspend him came down. He said, quote, that he told Adam, it's just too much for me. It's all becoming too much. I'm going to retire. So that's crazy. And then Dre said that Adam's response was, you're making a rash decision. I'm not going to let you do that. So, but first of all, what do you just think of that conversation at all, that that's the point where Dre was at and the fact that Adam stepped in and said what he said? Uh... As an over, overall, I, I think it's really dope from both from both people. And the reason I can say that is uh, I agree with Adam when it, when he said that was, you know, he's being rational. Uh, he's making a, you know, dramatic decision, and I agree with that. Um, but it also shows that and – and the reason I say this is because anybody that genuinely cares for Draymond and has genuine love for him would have told him mm-hmm. the same thing. Draymond, you know, you're wild yeah. and you're tripping right now. You're, you're – you're overthinking this. Can you, you know, imagine Adam state, saying, Dre, you wildin', you tripping. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and, I'm, and I hope the conversation went that way because that would be the absolute truth. Yeah. Um, anyone that really yeah. cares for Draymond would have told him the same thing. So just seeing that response from Adam Silver or hearing about that response, obviously you know he cares. Um, and I can only imagine the, the state of mind that Draymond is in. Obviously he did some, you know, some wild bullshit that, you know, these are the consequences of his actions. But with that being said, uh, I've I've spoke on it time and time again. Like, I can understand why he got to that point mentally. Um, Yeah, this This whole narrative has been spun out of control. The, the, you know, the attack of his character, the attack of him as a human being, a person, you know, taking him outside of the basketball court. And it's just completely unfair. Um, Did he do some things? That you know, where I, that that crossed the line when it comes to the game of basketball, absolutely. But it shouldn't determine who he is as a person off the court, and that's where you know my whole issue comes in with it. So to, to hear where Draymond is mentally about it, it's understandable. It can become a lot, and you know, people say you know, well, he makes millions of dollars. Well, that doesn't money doesn't take away your emotions. Money doesn't take away your feelings. Money doesn't. Stop you from bleeding, crying, being sad, depressed, any of those things. So, you know, for that to, to be the number one excuse, well, that comes with the money. That It doesn't excuse anything. So uh, 
you know, I'm glad that Draymond could come back with a clear mind and get back to where he is with, you know, going to continue and finish out his career. And, um, you know, hopefully he's in a better place and he can just move on from this. We can all move on from it and we can get back to Draymond playing a high level of basketball, you know, and hopefully helping the Warriors turn this season around. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy that he's back on the floor. And uh, like I said, I, I hope everything works out in his favor to where he's able to move on and, and get back to the uh, more positive things in his career. I thought the point you made right when he was suspended about how we're in this culture where, where it's all one or the other, right? So, you know, when he was winning, when they were winning titles, you know, he was the glue, he was this, he was that. Those emotions were so important to the team. But then after especially this last suspension, and look, because it came so quickly on the heels of the one before it, there was all this chatter about, oh, Draymond has deep emotional problems and, and is he going to be able to, to even get back to being – a a teammate, a good teammate, that kind of thing. Your point that it just was a swing. There's no middle ground. Um, right. I thought it was so astute. And the fact that now that conversation, that national conversation has like tampered down a little bit. I mean, we're so rash yes. now as, as Americans and American culture. It's like either all one way, all the other. It's huge for 48 hours, but then it kind of dissipates. And I think that's where the national conversation on Draymond is now is people are like, oh, they're a little calmer about it. And that maybe he can get back to being who he is publicly in addition to just himself. He was on the bench last night, so that was a step in the right direction. He's supposed to come back later this week. What effect do you think it'll have on the Warriors on the court to have him just back and being that stabilizing force? Um, I'm not really sure. And the reason I say that is the Warriors have so many problems outside <laughs> of Draymond. Like, Draymond yeah. coming back or Draymond not being there doesn't change the fact that the Warriors have issues. They have – it's so many things that, that need to be fixed with the Warriors. So, you know, the addition or subtraction of Draymond, I don't really feel changes anything. Um, I think this is a, a management problem, an ownership problem, where, you know, obviously they're, they put so much money into this team throughout the years, and now they're at this point where, you know, the money and the, uh, and the production aren't really matching up. So – um, this is more of an organization problem, and they have to figure out, you know, which path they want to take. Do they want to continue to try to, you know, squeeze this lemon and get the uh, the best out of these three Hall of Famers, or are they ready to, you know, move on and blow this thing up and start to rebuild the process? So I kind of think that's where they are when it comes to this team. And like I said, it's on management to figure out which route they want to take. Well, look, you're the one who played on this team. You know all the people involved so closely. To me, Draymond Green is what helps Steph Curry be Steph. And I think we've seen that when Draymond's off the court. Steph has had some great games, but he also has had some not-so-great shooting games. And I think, honestly, I think that they need Draymond. There is talk, though, of, and look, we talked last week about should they trade Klay Thompson or not, and where is he in his relationship with the Warriors? He'll be a free agent this coming summer. Draymond Green just signed that huge contract but now that he is back and eligible and going to be playing again and the trade deadline's just about a month away, do you believe any of this talk, Boogie, that the Warriors should look to trade Draymond? Do you think he even has any value right now? What do you, what do you think? Um, my gut is telling me I don't see this team making a, a, a drastic move midseason. Um, I think yeah. they'll ride this out and, and the decisions to be made in the offseason. But uh, as far as the trade value with Draymond – um, mm -hmm. this is a league that, that flourishes on, you know, defenders because, you know, the scoring is locked up in this league. They need as many defenders as they, as they can get. 
and elite defenders at that. So I, I feel like the value for Draymond will always be there with what he's with what he's great at doing. Um, I feel like he could fit into any team. Um, obviously, uh, personality comes into play with with the narratives that's been put on his name. But you know, Draymond's a winner. He's been a winner since he stepped in. And like I said, I feel like he could fit into any team. So uh, my personal opinion, I feel like his value is still where it is. Um, obviously, age comes into play, things of that nature. But what he brings to the court on a nightly basis doesn't really change. Yeah, I, I agree that there is a market for him if they wanted to deal him. I mean, look, you're telling me Detroit wouldn't want to bring him back to Michigan no matter how big his contract is or how old he is. Like, right. I can see all kinds of teams that might want to just have that that sort of presence around the team for their younger players or want the kind of publicity, frankly, and the energy that Draymond would bring. But I don't think they're going to deal him Um you know, we'll, we'll have to see. We talked a little bit about the West and their trade parameters of all the different teams last week. I want to get to the East this week, but before we talk trade deadline, we got to talk about the Celtics and Jason Tatum book because it is crazy what Boston is doing, and it's been so quiet. But as we sit here today, they are number one in record in the entire league, number one in net rating, number two in offensive rating. They have the number two defense in the league. And yet Jason Tatum not really being included in this MVP discussion at all. In fact, the NBA's own website has sort of a weekly ranking where they rank the top five MVP candidates like sort of as it stands for that week. Jason Tatum's not even on that top five list. I mean, it's kind of crazy. He's having one of the better all-around seasons of his already impressive career. His all-around game has really just flourished. And then if you like scoring, he's hitting threes at 37%. Um, he's uh, hit you know over 30 points in his three of his last four games, I think. Why do you think some of that stuff isn't translating him into even being in that quote in the conversation that we always talk about? What's the nicest way I could put this, Rachel? Um, <laughs> You've never been that nice, Buggy. Come on. <laughs> well, I'm going to say this. The last five years, it's, it's been Europeans to win MVP. Yes. Um, every season we start, who do you think will win MVP this year? You kind of come out with the rankings. Right. Every year, it's Europeans. Um. On the league website list right now, number one is Joel Embiid. Number two is Nikola Jokic. Mm -hmm. Number three is Sheik uh, Alexander. Number four is Giannis. Number five is Luka. Mm -hmm. uh, Shea's Canadian. I'm just going to throw that out there. Just read, <laughs> just read between the lines a little bit. Um, read between the lines. I don't think the there's lines. a bias against American players. Who, who doesn't, who doesn't <laughs> want... Wait, wait, wait. You got to put the basketball part aside. Who doesn't want American players to be good in the NBA? American players still sell the best. Nike can still market an American player more than they can anyone else. I don't. I don't. Who's, who? Who yeah, would have that? This is bias? a business, and we want to be global. We want to be global. Okay. The NBA All wants right. to be global. It, it wants to. It wants it to be a global game, which is is becoming every day. And you know, when your top five MVP candidates are all from everywhere but America, that definitely helps the case. So, um, okay, well, you don't make any money. You, Boogie Cousins, do not make any money in Greece. All right, well, you, Boogie Cousins, do not make any money in Greece if Giannis is hyped up. So in your no, rankings, no, right. you look at those five guys, right? Would you kick any of those five guys mm -hmm. you just mentioned out to put Jason Tatum in? I would. All right, I would so with, who? Uh, and 
I value winning. Like, I, I think winning, when it comes to mm-hmm. MVP, I think winning has to play a part in that. Um, and my only issue with it is it, it kind of, there is no standard. There's no standard for what it takes to be an MVP. Um, Thank you. know, you. One, in one Same case, it'll be about numbers. The next <laughs> case, it, yeah. One case, it'll be about numbers. The next time, it'll be about wins and who's dominating, you know, what team's dominating the league. We can take it back to the Steve Nash and Kobe years. Steve Nash won it because his team was winning. Kobe was putting up unreal numbers. Still to this day, we can't find a standard to what it takes to, you know, what are the criteria to win MVP? We still don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, all I know is Jason Tatum is having an unbelievable year. Um, he has the number one team in the East. He's averaging 28, what, nine and five? Like, mm-hmm. he has to be top three. He has to be. Yeah. Um, okay. I think they're the number one team overall. Who do we take out? That's Patricia not my Nate job to decide. Correct me. <laughs> Oh, that's a cop out. <laughs> you know my thing. If you're gonna say he's got to be top five, you got to tell me who's coming out. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know where the Mavericks are right now in the rank in the standings. They were in the top three for a while, then they dropped all the way down to seven or eight. I don't they know where they dropped. are right now. Maybe one of the producers they can jump dropped. in. But and I feel like you have yeah. to take out. I feel like Shade, Giannis, or Luca could be taken out. Not because you can't take out if you're talking about record, you can't take out Shea. They're the the Thunder are the number two team in the West. But the Celtics are the number one team in the East. (laughs) I think (laughs) I think Luca has had (laughs) I think Luca's had a a season that is worth being quote in the conversation, as we say. But if we do have to take someone out, I think because the Mavericks are sixth in the standings. Um, as great as Luca has been so far this season, and he has been great, that maybe you put Jason Tatum in that spot. Be- just because I, I, I think, you know, the winning makes a big difference, and he's playing so well. That team does not move, does not go anywhere without Jason Tatum. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll watch that as the season goes on. I do want to talk trades, though, Boog, because the Celtics are one of the teams. We're, we're just going to go through the top teams in the East because – you know, we see these teams, they want to make the tweak, right? They want to be the one to, to sort of get clear of everyone else and that, that thick kind of group of contenders at the top of the East. We saw a couple of years ago, do you remember that like all three top East teams like made a trade one after the other on the deadline day within an hour of each other trying to one up each mm-hmm. other? And so let's take a look at these teams and what they might do this year. If we keep with the Celtics just for a minute, especially since they're at the top of that bunch, um, Brad Stevens spoke to the media the other day and he talked about the fact that he doesn't expect them to make some big move. In fact, he was asked about the center spot two times, which, of course, that's been our topic of conversation in terms of what the Celtics might need more of since the summertime. And both times he either avoided the question or he said, oh, I think that, you know, between Porzingis and Al Horford were good. And he kept answering instead by saying that they needed a big wing player instead. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Also interesting that he made the point that, look, they have the $6.2 million trade exception. That's kind of it. That, that, that's all they have to kind of play with right now without giving away one of the pieces that's working so well for them and making them number one in the East. So someone would have to fit into there, um, be likely a more veteran player, you know, someone who's on a minimum. Um, what do you think? What, what do you think if they are looking for a big wing? Do you think they need anything? Brad also pointed out it might just be someone in the organization. They need to develop more and not mess with it. Um. I don't see this team needing too much. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not even really understanding the, the big wing that 
that's needed to be filled. Um, yeah, I, I feel mean, like this team is complete. Position. Yeah, I feel like this team is complete. I think, I think they did a great job of constructing this team, um, filling out every need in the offseason to the point where this is, you know, one of the favorites to win it this year. So, uh, as far as finding a wing that they are talking about, um, I could see that being like a Royce O'Neal from Brooklyn, something of that nature. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's got to be, you know, a more veteran wing, but also a guy that's, you know, kind of in a bench role. I can't really see it being a, a starter-type player. So, uh, I could see a Royce O'Neal fitting that, you know, that that criteria. But um, as far as this team needs, I don't really see much. Um they're stacked. This is a stacked team. Yeah. And look, Royce O'Neal might be wanted by one of these other teams because if you go mm. right down the standings to the Bucks, look, they need defense. And they, I think they have to, unlike Boston, I think they have to make a move. Um, you know, they made this huge investment Absolutely. in Damian Lillard. They shook up the whole team. You can't go into the playoffs like this without having a defensive end. And they knew it. They knew when they were getting rid of Drew Holiday what was going on, but now it's time. Now it's time to pay that piper. Royce O'Neal has been talked about as being a good fit for them. Um, you know, some bigger names that might cost more, and we'll see what the you know bidding ends up being for them, would be Alex Caruso, Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, but then also you've got Royce, you've got DeLon Wright in Washington. Um, you know, what do you think, who do you think would be a good fit for that team? Uh, I mean... The two most obvious choices are Alex Caruso and Finney Smith, Dorian Finney Smith. Um, I think they come in and fit that defensive wing role perfectly for this team. Um, this is a team that we've spoke on with their uh, defensive struggles throughout the season. So, uh, you know, honestly, any of these names fit that fit that uh, bill of what they're trying to do. But the two names that I feel take them over the hump, put the, push this team over the hump are. Caruso and Finney Smith. Obviously, Caruso is a championship, you know, player. Uh, he's he's played at that level. This is a team with aspirations of being a championship team. So obviously, you would want to go with that experience as a first option. And uh, just Finney, Dorian Finney Smith in general, um, just his intangibles, his his athleticism, his length, um, the uh, height with being a versatile uh, wing defender. He can guard, you know, the uh, the post some. So. Uh, those two names obviously jump out and could fit that team perfectly. So um, if I'm the Bucks, I'm I'm definitely trying to go all in on those two guys. Yeah, I, I think you just have to. You have to figure it out because they need that. And, you know, Damian Lillard, he's not old. I mean, his game is one of the kind of game that's going to last long in the NBA. You know, shooters obviously can play late into their careers, but he is getting older. And every year that passes – Every year that Giannis gets, you know, a little frustrated, obviously he hinted the summer about maybe wanting to leave. Then they got Dame. He signed that big contract. But as we know, contracts in the NBA don't mean that you necessarily stay in that team. Just ask James Harden. So, um, you know, they, they need to keep him happy. They need to, to keep the bus moving. So I, I totally agree with you. And then you get to the Sixers underneath them in the standings. And look, they made the Harden deal. And we were all like, great. Wonderful. Now let's see who their next move is. Who are they going to bring in to replace him? And Tyrese Maxey just exploded. And he's been so good for them that now it's a question of do they need to make a deal before the deadline? 
Do they stand pat? They've got a ton of cap room opening up this summer. They have really kept their options open. Even with the Harden trade, they got guys back who are on expiring contracts. And the idea was they would have enough money to either to take on a big salary, um, you know, when if they got a big player at the deadline, or go out this summer in free agency and get another huge star if there is another huge star available. I mean, that has to happen. That has to shake out. Um, but what do you think? Do you think that Joel Embiid, who has sort of been a little impatient and they haven't advanced, you know, even even past the second round in a long time, um, do you need to make a move now to, to kind of tweak that and get them into those Eastern Conference finals? Or do you feel fine standing pat and waiting? Um, honestly, I think this Sixers team waits to see. Um, they're playing at a high level with, you know, what's in place right now. Um, I think their main focus is, you know, continuing to let Joel have the year that he's having, possibly winning another MVP this year. Um, it only increases their chances of, of landing another star. Who wouldn't want to come play with a two-time MVP? So uh, I think that's something that, you know, they're pushing to make happen. And, um, you know, I don't think this team is in a bad place. Like I said, I've said before, they have their two core guys and, you know, Maxi and Embiid now. So now it's just about filling out the rest of the roster. Um, they have a great coach in Nick Nurse, championship coach. Um, incredible IQ when it comes to the notepad. So uh, I think a lot of things are in place for them. I don't think it's really a rush. Uh, I don't think they make this season a, or a championship or bust season. So uh, I think they, you know, sit still with what they got, kind of monitor the uh, – monitor the horizon and uh, figure out, you know, the exact pieces they want to fill out this team with in the offseason and going into the next season. So uh, I don't really see well, they, them making a move right now. Yeah, I mean, they are going to have to figure it out because they were really hot on OG Ananobi. Obviously, he goes to the Knicks. His contract's expiring. But again, let's not kid ourselves. OG Ananobi's agent is the son of Leon Rose. So <laughs> you got to think that the Knicks are aware <laughs> family Christmas table conversation that if they traded for OG, they can keep OG, re-sign him, and, uh, you know, he will not be on the market for Philadelphia. Um, then you look at Pascal Siakam. That was another big rumored piece that Philadelphia was going to go after. But all the reporting around Philadelphia and Toronto is that the Sixers have not aggressively tried to get Siakam at all. In fact, that the idea is that, I mean, look, I don't know, maybe Nick Nurse and Siakam did not leave on good terms when Nick left the organization. I don't know. Um, maybe it's just they don't think his on-court fit with Embiid and Maxi is quite right. But they, you know, reportedly are just not really involved in those discussions. And there are so many teams that really want Siakam that, you know, it doesn't seem like at this point they're going to jump in and try to get him. So, um It'll be interesting to see if they try to get, again, a player more around the edges, if they just stand pat, if they feel that pressure from Embiid. I think you talk to Joel, right, and you say, okay, where are you? What, if we don't do anything, is this going to come back to bite us and you're going to you know, make waves this summer? Right. So I think we'll, we'll have to see what they do there. But that big move that we were expecting at the beginning of the season after the Harden trade, I don't think that's coming, and that's, that's very interesting, which brings us to the Heat because they need a point guard. Book. And, and look, we all know that they turn it on in the playoffs. They're fourth in the East. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they could obviously, you know, even drop down to fifth or sixth, seventh, and they're still dangerous once we get into April. But that being said, they need a point guard. And uh, it's just interesting. We thought they were going to target Donovan Mitchell. 
Donovan Mitchell, Cleveland saying they're not going to put him on the trading block. I don't know if Boogie, everyone has a price. I don't know. What do you I've think? What before. do you think should go on there in Miami? Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're not trading you, Boog. No, I've it's heard good. That before. Uh, yeah. Uh, any team tells you that, start packing your shit. <laughs> but uh, but uh, when it comes to Donovan Mitchell, I think he's he's the perfect piece for Miami. Um, obviously, they need the offense. They have the defense in place. I think Donovan Mitchell just makes that team so much better, a huge threat in the league. Um, but as far as the Heat just needing a point guard in general, um, I feel like it's a lot of targets out there. I could see a Spencer Dinwiddie coming in and filling in that role. Obviously, the team needs the offense that I was speaking about. Uh, I think he fits fits that uh, bill for them. Um, Malcolm Brogdon is a, is another option that you know fits that mold, fits that you know the uh, yep. the standard of that team with the toughness and you know defensive minded team, team first guy. So I uh, and everywhere Malcolm's been, he's been a winner. So uh, I think he fits that criteria as well. And um, for some reason, this name just came up in, a, in my head. I think he could help a lot of teams this year. He's very experienced point guard. Um, John Wall is just sitting at home. I think he fits the heat yep. great. Um, why he yep. hasn't gotten another chance, I'm not really sure. But John Wall is perfect for that role. Uh, he can come in. As a starter, you can come in off the bench and, and really help that team get to another level. So uh, that's another name that's just out there. So uh, I love I, I love the all Heat these ideas, have, but you know, yeah. But I, I, the just, Heat are, I mean, they have some great options with you know filling out this team and actually making them a contender this year because you know their foundation is Jimmy and, and, and Bam. So anything you fill around that only increases the team. Uh, obviously, you're not getting the production you want from Kyle Lowry, so that's a contract that can be sent out. And, I mean, it's just so many options for this Heat team. They have some draft capital. Uh, they have Tyler Hero as a big trade asset. So uh, they could definitely make some moves and, and, and fill this roster out to, to be a team that, you know, challenges the league. So uh, we'll see what happens. I love the John Wall idea. He had a workout, I would say, maybe a month ago, and, and a bunch of teams, more than a dozen teams, I think, attended. So we'll see if he jumps back in there before the deadline or maybe in the buyout market. Um, Malcolm Brogdon is hungry to get back to a contending team. Watch for Tyus Jones, yeah, too. I think he's sure. an interesting name around the heat. But uh, but very good. All right, I love our, I love our East uh, look at the trade deadline, and uh, we'll see what <laughs> happens over the next week. Now we're getting into one of my favorite segments, My Window into the deep, dark, successful gambling mind of Boogie Cousins. I love this. I love getting a window into your soul, my friend. Uh, the bet on the board for I'll Take That Bet, presented by DraftKings, is the Houston Rockets. This is a really fun bet they have up right now. It's whether the Rockets are going to make the playoffs, and this is why it's interesting. The Rockets are sitting in ninth place right now, but it is just a bumble cluster in the West. These standings are crazy. You have the top-seeded Wolves, and then you have all the way down to the Rockets in ninth place, and they're only separated by seven games. 
You have, it's just, it's crazy. Anybody could be in there. You've got the Lakers and the Warriors underneath the Rockets in 10th and 11th, and we certainly expect them to make some moves. Lakers just beat the Clippers, look like maybe they're waking up from their slump that they've been in over the last month or so. Um, what do you think, Boogie? The odds are that the Rockets would make the playoffs. They're plus 195, miss the playoffs, 250. Which, minus 250, of course, which bet are you taking? Are you going to take that they're going to make the playoffs, or will you take that bet that they're going to lose the playoffs? Lose the playoffs? Uh, lose I'm going to take the bet that they're losing. Uh, yeah. They're, they're not making the playoffs. and uh, They're not? The reason I say that is this What's Rockets it? team – no, this Rockets team isn't that, – that's not their goal right now. Their goal is to develop these young players that they've, you know, drafted over the years. Um I think they'll be a tough team to beat this year. They're well-coached. They're, they're defensive-minded. So any team like that is always going to be tough to beat. They're one of those teams that aren't good enough, you know, to, you know, make the playoffs, but they're good enough to ruin another team's season. Um, I think they'll be a challenge every night for whatever team, you know, they face. But uh, as far as making the playoffs or even making a push to make the playoffs, I don't think this team or organization is ready to make that move. Um, like I said, it's just about developing the young pieces and uh, just being competitive this year. And I think they're doing a great job of that. Um, I think their goal will be next year to kind of, you know, figure out exactly what they're going to keep, you know, the exact, you know, pieces they're going to move forward with, with this young team. And then, you know, we'll start seeing them make a push to be, you know, a playoff slash contender. So, um, and on top of that, the teams beneath them, the Lakers, Suns, these teams are going to make moves to improve. These teams yeah. – are, were built this season to compete for a championship. So uh, yeah. they'll definitely be making moves to improve. Um, they will only get better throughout the season. So um, that's the reason I kind of say this Rockets team, it's, it's not – I just don't see that this season. So uh, definitely bet against them making the playoffs if you want to keep some money. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I – I really like watching them. They're fun. It's so nice to have them have like that fun energy after some really tough years down there. Um, Ime Adoka mm -hmm. is is uh, going back to Boston. I think the Rockets play in Boston sometime in the next week or so. So that will be interesting. But he's certainly oh. done great things with that team. Shangun has been incredible. What a find. Mm -hmm. Like they, they just have a lot of fun energy around them. But I have to agree with you. I'm not sure they're making the playoffs, given who's under them. I mean, that's really the thing, is that I expect the Lakers to make a move and also a team with LeBron and AD. I just don't see them missing the playoffs. I, I don't see it. Um, and the Warriors, I think, are going to make a move, so we'll see what happens there. The Suns finally have Bradley Beal back, I, I hope, for good, um, and we'll see what they do. They're actually in Los Angeles this week, so I'm going to go out and see them a couple of the games. But tough, tough bet for the Houston Rockets. We'll see. We'll see. But... And now I get a little insight into, you know what Boogie thinks, America. So there you go. Follow his advice. He's normally right. Um, time for set a reminder. These are the games that you're going to want to make sure you put on your calendar for this week. Um, Boogie, I want to know which of these games you are most interested in. Let me read them off for you. On Wednesday, we have the Wolves at the Celtics. That will be interesting. Number one team in the West versus number one team in the East. On Thursday, you've got Celtics at Bucks. That will, of course, be... A huge matchup with uh, implications going forward into the playoffs. Um, you also have Suns at Lakers. That'll be a great game. Um, that will be, uh, I think the Suns are playing the Clippers tonight. So it's going to be very interesting to see the Suns after four days in Los Angeles. 
I don't know. Although they live in Phoenix, so maybe not quite going as wild as some of the other teams that right. come in here. Right. Um, fr- Friday, we've got Kings at Sixers and Pelicans at Nuggets. So which of those games is most interesting to you? I'm excited for Wednesday's game, Wolves and Celtics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the uh, best two teams in the league from both conferences. Um I think it's just going to be a good basketball game, good competitive game. Um, you get the best of the best from both sides. So um, I'm interested in that. I think that would be a great show. Yeah, I think so too. And look, you know, these teams, they know what they're fighting for and they know how important it is going to be come uh, late playoff time. So I'm very interested to see how that all works out. And uh, speaking of the Bucks, we got to get to our doom scroll, our social media segment. We look around all the socials so you can, we just give you the best of the best. You don't have to. Um, and I love this from Malik Beasley showing com- some confidence here. But the Bucks are one in four against the Pacers this season. This has exploded out of nowhere into this incredibly, like, grudge match rivalry between these two teams. Um, You know how it is spicy in the Midwest, America. Um, But uh, Beasley went out on a limb here. He said, quote, I'm not, it's not going to be pretty for them if the teams match up in the playoffs. That is a lot. If you're a role player and you are one of four on the season already, what do you think of a role player speaking out like that and putting everyone else on blast? Man. Got to play your role, man. Sit back, play it cool. Like, we don't need this from you. Not from you. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure, you know, Giannis or Dane pulled him to the side and, you know, young fella, you know, you should zip it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> that's that's not his place. That's, that's not his place. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't know. They, they've lost one out of four against this team, and I don't think, I, I think no, they've only won. Only They're one and four. Digits once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but him yeah. specifically, Malik Beasley, has only scored double digits one time out of all of those meetings. I just don't think he's the right guy to be pushing this message. Like, let's leave that to Dame or Giannis, or let's just go and play. The, the talking isn't yeah. necessary, especially from a role player. Like, sit back, play it cool, and everything gonna go smooth. Well, look, I give Chris Haynes, he was doing that interview credit. He always gets gets guys going, but uh, maybe maybe a little quieter on, on this one. Giannis did, in fact, speak on the rivalry, but he had a very different take. This quote was amazing. He was basically asked, you know, how much do you think about the Pacers? You know, how much is Indiana in your head? And, you know, a lot of <laughs> players, especially elite players like Giannis, would be like, oh, I don't think about them. I think about the game in front of me. You know, don't want to, like, give anyone anything extra. Giannis, totally the opposite. <laughs> Apparently, the Pacers are not just renting space in his head for free they've moved in they've built an addition they brought some extra family this is what he said quote you think about it when you go home and sleep and wake up you think about it when you go back and work out you think about it and my favorite part when you're getting freaky at night you think about it so yeah there you go that's more information than i needed personally um, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Uh, what, what do you think about the Pacers having this much of a stake in Gian- Giannis's mental state? Man, obviously it's on his mind. For you think so? For that last part, man, for for you to be in the middle of you know the extracurricular and it's still on your mind, that that's, that says a lot. So uh, 
Man, Giannis, you got some things to figure out, brother. Um, I'm sure the wifey isn't happy about it. But, uh, <laughs> She's lovely, by the way. I want to uh, say. Obviously, this is a big they've... task for this this Bucks team. Yep. <laughs> obviously, this is. I a mean, big look, task they've got three kids, team. so he can't be thinking about it that much because he's still pumping them out. I mean, but. I, I see, but man, that, that's that's a that's a crazy statement. That's a crazy statement. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. We'll have to see but, um, how that rivalry goes. <laughs> yes. I think, I, I, obviously, it's, it's, it's something that's on this Bucks team's mind. Um, this this team has, has had their number for the for the year so far. So uh, this is just a sign of, you know, self-improvement, the team being aware of, you know, they've struggled with this team all year. They want to become better. They want to compete for a championship this year. So, them better in this situation against this one team that they feel has kind of been in their way this season. Um, it only it only increases their chances and it helps this team improve. So uh, the fact that they are realizing that they've struggled against them, um, they know they have something to improve on this year, and this is one of their challenges. So, um, you know. Well, apparently everyone except Malik Beasley uh, realizes they've struggled against them. <laughs> but, yes, everyone else, definitely. <laughs> everyone else realizes that. <laughs> Yeah, Malik, you got to sit this one out, brother. This, this yeah, is a yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to Mark Cuban because he did something pretty amazing this week. You know, he recently uh, sold a big chunk of his stake in the team. He is still, of course, going to be in charge of basketball, which is a crazy arrangement. Only Mark Cuban, the shark of sharks dealmaker, could pull that off. But anyway, um, because he made so much money, um, he announced to his employees that he's going to give out $35 million combined in bonuses. And he said the bonus structure will be based largely in part of how much years of service they've given to the team. So it is about loyalty. It includes everyone in the organization, not just the top brass. Um, I just wanted to know what you think about that, and, and especially since you've been in organizations that have been good or bad to the people that they employ, sort of how common mm -hmm. is this in the NBA? Uh, definitely not a common thing, um, but you know, speaking on Mark Cuban's behalf, he's this. He's shown time and time again, you know, he cares about the people that you know work for him, work around him, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, obviously, you want to treat the people that help push your brand. Um, treat the people good that help push your brand. Um, any boss of any you know situation would want you know the people that work for him or anything of that nature to feel comfortable, to feel, you know, appreciated, to, you know, all of those things to help this company continue to be great. So, uh, you know, kudos to Mark Cuban. Yeah. Um, shit, I wish I was one of those guys getting a free check from him. I, I wouldn't mind that at all. So, uh, you know, that's him doing these type of things makes more people, you know, want to work for him or, or want to work next to him or, or for that organization. And it definitely shines a light on, you know, just him as a person, how he treats the people around him. So I'm sure the players appreciate it. I'm sure those staff members appreciate it. And, um, you know, like I said, kudos to Mark. That's dope. That's a dope thing. Okay. I remember when he first came in as an owner and he was the first, I mean, we don't remember it now because now every team has a crazy locker room and crazy facilities, but he was the first one 
to make his locker room this like sort of plush luxury den for the players, put flat screens in their lockers. He did these crazy chairs, you know, all the stuff. And, and that was at a time, you know, when Dallas was not considered a destination for a lot of free agents. And his big thing was, you know, we want to be the team that treats our employees, our our players the best of anyone in the league. And people are going to notice that. And, you know, from that, I see a connectivity all the way through what he's done over the championship year and then all throughout the years with going out and getting guys and and not being afraid of salary the way some organizations are and now doing this. I, I do think it speaks a lot to him. You know, there are rumors he will want to run for president at some time in the next eight years, so or maybe governor of Texas at some time. So again, as you say, it's good for the PR. Uh, you know, this definitely uh, makes him look good. But I will say that it's not an empty sort of political gesture that that we have seen this kind of stuff from Mark. You know, his biggest off the court project uh, up until now has been uh, this this uh, drug company that he has really worked on over the last few years, which has really worked on bringing affordable drug and pharmacy care to all sorts of people who are getting gouged, especially insulin and, and other stuff like that. People need to live, and he has brought the price way down for stuff like that. It's been super impressive what he's done for people around him. So I, I do just want to give him credit for sort of all That's the so things – he's done to care about other people. He also, of course, cares about making money. There's a lot of reporting about him going into gambling after this, opening a casino. So, you know, no one's a true, no, no one's a complete philanthropist, but obviously this move makes a big deal. And I think it's really in line with how he's been since he took over the team. So, so there you go. All right. That's going to be it for us this week. Boogie, thank you so much. You can catch us on the DraftKings network now. We're very excited about that. You can catch us on the All the Smoke Productions YouTube channel. Go over and watch us there. I can't see Boogie, but you can over there. And also anywhere you get your podcast. So listen to us in your car while you're cooking, but just be sure to give us those five-star reviews, rate us, review us. Uh, We need those to get up in the algorithm because we are a new baby podcast, but we'll get there. We'll get there, Bug. Thank you to everyone out there. Thank you to you, DeMarcus Cousins. I'll see you next week.